So let's just pause for a word of prayer as we look into God's Word. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love for us. And we thank you for that amazing grace. Father, your grace never grows old. Your love never grows old. Your love is new every day. Your blessings are new every day. And Father, I pray this morning as we come together and we look into your Word, I pray that you would help us this morning to recognize just how great and awesome you are. Father, there's only one thing that's awesome, and that's you. There's nothing else. And I pray this morning as we come to look into your word, I pray, Father, that you would just hide me, that it would be nothing of me, but it would be all of you. Because that is who we've come here to hear from, it's you, and you alone. And we just thank you and we praise you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to just say it's been, it's good to be back. I don't know how many of you know, but I've been traveling for a couple of weeks, um, just taking different um, groups of teenagers to different churches, but also um, had the opportunity to share in Bermuda for a week to their camp there to minister as the speaker there for the week, and it's been a great time. And I, I know that some of you have been praying, and I want to thank you for your prayers. And it's only through the Lord's grace that I am here this morning. Um, I got to say that the Lord has been good because I thought while I was going to be away, my mom always tells me that when I keep going, I usually get sick, and the Lord's given me the strength to get through all of that. And you know, I never felt weak, never you know, always been strong and I want to thank the Lord for that. But this morning, I want us to look at the greatness of God. And I think sometimes in church we lose the whole thing of the greatness of God. I think we forget about it. I think that we just come to church sometimes and we think, you know, I'm going through the motions. I know what I do on Sunday. You know, I come to church, we sing a couple of songs, we say a little prayer, we hear a little word, and we go home. And we want to just hear the pastor say amen so we can hurry and get out of there. But this morning, I hope as we look into God's Word that we recognize this morning how great and awesome He is. And I want you to sit or just think for a second. Do you ever sit around and think that you are an important person? Ever think that the world revolves around you? Ever wonder why different things happen in life, while you are no different than the nation of Israel? And God had to remind Israel that no matter what happens in life, I am still in control. In Isaiah 40, we see a picture of how great our God is. And I think sometimes we lose the awe or the wow factor of God. You see, we have changed words that should only be described, God. And the word that I'm talking about is awesome. You know, I, I think that this word has been used over and over in the wrong context. And in fact, we have used it as a slang word almost. That was awesome. This was awesome. But in dictionary.com, it gives this definition for the word awesome. An overwhelming feeling of reverence. To admire something or fear or causing inducing awe. Or it says showing or characterized by reverence. Admire or fear. It's having an awe factor. You see, the only thing that should bring such an awe of reverence is God. Not ice cream. Not a new car. Not a plate of food, but God is awesome, and only Him. And I think we have just took this word out and just overused it. We watch TV and we say, oh, that basketball player, he's awesome. That actor, he's awesome. No, only one person's awesome, and that's God who created us, and who created us to do His will and His work. You see, Israel was... As we, as we know the book of Isaiah, the book of prophecy, and they were getting ready to go 
through a rough time. And they would be captive in Babylon and were seeking deliverance. And God wanted to remind Israel that even though they were going through a rough time, that God was still God. And he promised that he would deliver them so they should not, they should know that whatever God promises will come to pass. It's not like me or you. Sometimes we promise things to our kids or to other people and say, well, I'm going to do this. And sometimes we don't come through. But when God says something he's going to do, he's going to do it. Think of our lives today. How many times does God need to remind us of his greatness? Even when we're going through rough times. It seems that no matter how many times that God brings us out of trouble or rough times, we always doubt him sometimes. We wonder if God can really bring us out of this trouble that we're in. And he can. In Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 8, God reminds us through the prophet of Isaiah about his mercy and the glory. As he talks to them about their sin, but, and that he showed mercy on them even in times that they, would not, they were totally against him. In verses 3 to 5, he talks about his glory being revealed. And in verses 6 to 8, he, he wants us to understand that, look, no matter what happens in life, the flowers may fade away, the grass may wither, but there's one thing that will always stand forever, and that's my word. And it's more than I think that we forget that. We forget that God's word is the same today, yesterday, and forever. We sometimes think that this book grows old, but it's one book that never grows old. This is forever. And I think sometimes as we read it, we think that, you know what? That's old language. That's the old, you know, God, that's, that's, that's old stuff. But God's, new, God's word is new every day for us. So this morning we want to look at Isaiah chapter 40, verses 9 through the end of the chapter. And we want to just, I know we can't look at the whole thing this morning in the sense of really looking at the, the whole greatness of God. But this is where God wants to remind Israel, look, I am great. You think that you have it together. You think you're going through a rough time. You think you wonder, what's going to happen? Don't forget, I'm the great God that you, that I've already told you what's going to happen. In verses 9 to 11, the first point we're going to look at is God's greatness should make us proclaim his good news of the gospel. In Isaiah 49 to 11, it says, Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of the good news. Lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arm. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with the young. Here Isaiah reminds the people that because of how great our God is, we must be ready to proclaim it. We must be ready to tell people about it. I want to ask you the question this morning. When is the last time that you've told someone about Jesus Christ? You see, we come to church and we hear the messages. We know God's Word. We know the Gospel because we live in the Bahamas. In the Bahamas, almost everybody has heard that Christ died for your sin and He rose again. That's so we think. But God has told us that we must go out to the world and preach the Gospel. We must tell others about Christ. And here He is saying, look, I have delivered you so many times. I have done so many things for you. You must now go proclaim my word to others. Tell them about me. Tell them about the great God that I am. We should not be afraid to talk about our God, but we should be ready to go on the top of the mountain. 
where everyone can see and hear us and proclaim the good news of God. You see, too many times we get scared. You know, we have this fear that we think, you know, what's, what am I going to do? I don't have the right words to say. I don't know the right method to say. You know, there's all these methods of, of telling us about Christ. But you see, God will help you through that. And I know some people have the gift of evangelism, and I know some people can just go to anyone and just talk about it, and it's harder for others. But you know what? Every Christian should be telling someone about Christ. Everyone. Through our actions, we tell people about Christ. Through our words, we tell people about Christ. And when I say that, I mean we either tell them that they want something to do with Christ or not. Because they see the way we act. They see the way we speak. Do I want to know this God you talk about? He tells them that they must not be afraid because the Lord is all-powerful. And he will always tend to his sheep, no matter what happens in life. You see, we see a picture of the great shepherd in verse 11. As he says, he will always take care of his flock that he will gather them in his arms. The same power that can then scatter nations and do all things, the same God that helps us when we tell us about Christ. He's all-powerful. He can help us. You know, for me, there's, there's been many times in life where I wonder, well, how am I going to get through this? And it's only through the power of God. But we have to be in tune with God to feel that power. We have to be connected to God. You know, and I know we have a friend here who, you know, works at a BEC company, and we know that when the power goes out, we get a little frustrated. But we have God himself, who is the power source that we could always be connected to. And that never goes out. Number two, God needs no help when it comes to his creation. In verse 12, he says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span? And close the dust of the earth in a measure, and weigh the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance. Anyone feeling small there? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord, or what man shows him this counsel? Whom did he consult, and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, and are counted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes to the coastlands like fine dust. I want you to just think about that for a second. I want you to look at your hand. Just look at your hand for a second. It says, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hands? I don't know how many of you have ever seen a picture on the internet, but there's a picture of, uh, and, and we sang the song, you know, he's got the whole world, and I won't sing because I would be in trouble. You might want to, you know, throw tomatoes or something at me, but... You know, he has the whole world. God holds it all together. And we sometimes think that we're so important. We think that we have, we, we, we think that it's about us. We think that, you know, well, God, you know, it, it's about me. It's what I want. You know, I, I need to get my way. But here God's reminding Israel, look at all my creation. I did not need any help with this. I did this all. Like I said, I look at the hollow of my hand and that's, the size of the, the world to me. That's how small it is to, when it comes to me. I have the power to do all things. What makes you think I can't deliver you, Israel? And I know we hear all the time that there's no such thing as a dumb question. You know, I know in school they say no, no question is a dumb question. But right now we have some dumb questions right here. Because it says in verse 9, I mean, sorry, not verse 9, verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand 
and marked of the heavens with a span. And verse 13 says this, Who has measured the spirit of the Lord, or what man shows him his counsel? And verse 14 says this, Who taught, who did he consult, and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? No one. He needed no one. God did it all. He didn't need help with it. It was just him. He created everything. So what makes me and you think that we're great? What makes us think that other people are awesome? There's only one person who's great and awesome, and that's God. And we see it all through his creation. You know, we live in the Bahamas, and we see, you know, his beautiful water around us. Those people who live in the United States, they see the mountains and all of that stuff. The same God created all of that. And we all love different things. We all love the water. Some of us love water, some of us love mountains, and we wonder why, how could someone love the cold? You know, when I was away in Bermuda, um, I had some guys from Canada. And I was talking to him, and we were in Bermuda, being in the Caribbean, and I was saying, oh man, I just love, you know, the hot weather and everything else. And he says, well, I really miss the snow. And I'm like, really? But you see, God's wired us all differently. We all appreciate different things. And we need that reminder. Because I think sometimes, especially living in a beautiful place like the Bahamas, we get so relaxed of what God created around us. We take it for granted. I know you talk to any college student, you know, a lot of them, when they go up to school, they realize, I really miss the water. I really miss that. But when we're here, we don't go as much. But you know, God is a great God. And He created it all. Think about us. We have been through many trials and tribulation in life, and God continues to bring us out. We sometimes think that God doesn't know what we are going through, but nothing catches Him by surprise. He is all-knowing. He knows what's best for us, even when we think that is not fair. But God always seeks His glory above us. You see, sometimes in life things happen, and we wonder, why, God? Why would you allow this to happen? But we have to remember that God's glory is above ours. It's not about us being kind. It's not about us being happy. It's about Him being happy. It's about His glory. And sometimes we don't remember, we don't understand what's going on in life. The same thing has happened here with, with Israel. But bring to the third point. Compared to God, we are absolutely nothing. In verses 15 to 17, it says this, Behold, the nations are like a drop in a bucket, and a count as the dust on the scales. Behold, He takes up the coastlands, like fine dust, Lebanon with suffice for, for, for fuel. Noah are his beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are counted by him as less than nothing in emptiness. Skip down to verse 22. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes rulers of the earth at emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth. When he blows on them, they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. So many times we make it about us and forget that we have a God who is sovereign, who holds everything together. Israel had the same problem. And he tells them that you look at the nations, you look around, you see these nations, you think they're very powerful. You think that they have it all together and, and you're worried about it. But to me, they're like fine dust. They're just like dust. 
they're not, they're not as important as you may think. I can do anything. I am, I am sovereign. I am in control of all this. The nations are powerful in your eyes, but compared to God and His power and greatness, they are insignificant. He is kind of, he is kind of saying, look, do you underestimate me? Are you underestimating me? Do you think that I can't deliver you? Do we do that to God? Yes, we do. Sometimes we think that God can't bring us out of situations. Sometimes we think that God doesn't care about us. Or, you know, why is this happening to me? In verse 16, God again reminds him, Look, I am so great and worthy of your praise that you could burn every tree and animal. And that would not be enough to show me the worship that I deserve. You see, we could, we could come to church every week. Every week, we could do our duty and think that, you know, and I, and I think that sometimes we get caught up in this. We think that on a daily basis, we spend 15, 30 minutes into God's Word and think we've done our godly duty for the day. Or we come to church for an hour and a half, depending on, you know, two hours sometimes, and we think that, you know what, we've done our godly duty. But you see, God deserves all of our worship and praise. It's not about it. He doesn't want us to look at the time and say, oh, well, I've given you my half hour now. It's time for me to do what I want to do. No. He deserves all of us. He deserves all our worship. He deserves us all the time. And he recognized that, look, you could sacrifice every animal. You could do all the sacrifice that you think is important to me, but that is not enough for me. Don't we need that reminder so many times? Because we think that we have done enough for God. We think that, oh, I come to church. I'm involved in this ministry. I do this thing. And we want to pat on the back and think, yeah, you're doing a good job. You're doing all the things. But guess what? To God, we could never do enough. We could never do enough. We could never worship Him for who He is. Because in all of what we do, there's something that always gets in the way. Us. We get in the way. I get in the way. Because so many times in life, again, we try to bring it back about us. We think it's about me being pleased. It's about me, the things that I want. But it it has nothing to do with me. It's all about God. And he says to them, look, who are you going to compare me to? You can compare God to nothing. Nothing can compare to God. There's no one like him. There's nothing like him. So what, what, what can you compare me to? Why are you still worried? Why are you so concerned? I told you, I am in control of this. You know, we, we so many times just think, as we look at verses 21 and 22, it says this as well. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? It's as if God's saying, look, do you not know? Haven't I already told you this? I've been telling you over and over, I've been showing you all through, all through life, how great I am. Why do I have to remind you about this? But if we're all honest in this room this morning, God needs to remind us again. We're the same way. He wanted to make sure, look, I have been telling you from the beginning, but you played this is all new for you. Verse 22 makes it very clear to us. When you think you are high and mighty, and you think it's all about you, you are like grasshoppers to me. This is how I view the world. I look down on you, and you're like grasshoppers. That's how small you are. That's how insignificant you are when it comes to me. That's how great I am. 
Anyone in this room used to like to go catch grasshoppers? As a little, yeah, one person, two people. You know, that's what God said. We are like grasshoppers when he looks down on us. That's how small we are. You know, I'm sure a grasshopper looking up to you thinks, you know, I'm going to jump away from you because I'm scared of how big you are. But when we look at God, God says, you know what? I'm that great. I'm that big. I'm that awesome. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do with me? Are you going to continue to serve me? Are you going to continue to trust me and allow me to work in you? Isaiah warns them, look, don't make it about you. Isaiah 64, 6 tells us this, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. Or some words say filthy rags. So when you think it's about you, when you try to do everything on your own, and if you're making it about you, he said, look, that's like filthy rags to me. Don't, don't try to do it on your own. If you're doing it for self-glory, it's just like filthy rags to me. It's no good. It's polluted. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. You see, never make it about you. Always make it about God. Always make it about Him. You see, He makes it clear for them to think that you think the princes are important, but they're nothing. I could take them out. I could do, I could do whatever I want because I am in full control. Again, he reminds us that nothing on earth compares to God. And Isaiah 40, verse 18 says this, To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman cast it in gold, smith overlays it with gold, and casts it for its silver chains? He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not, the rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Verse 25, To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him? That's the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these things. He who brings out the host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. What a great God. When you go outside and you look at the stars, and he says, look, I know every one of them by name, and not one of them is missing. What makes us think that the same God isn't today? For us, as we will see, He is. He is still there for us. You see, He created everything. Nothing is by mistake. As, he, as again, He knows the hosts of the stars. He knows them by number. He knows that nothing that He made was by mistake. Everything is for His glory. Everything calls out for His glory. There's nothing that isn't bringing out glory to Him. The fish of the sea, the rocks cry out. Everything about him is for him, for his glory. He says, look, you think that you could build these idols? You think you could get the right gold, the silver, everything that you want, the best craftsmanship? But nothing compares to me. Nothing. You think you could build the biggest idol? To me, there's nothing. It can't compare to me. And the last point we look at is this. God not only cares about creation, but more importantly, he cares about you. Isaiah 40, 27 to 31 says this, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. 
He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on the wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. See, in verse 27, there's a plea to say, Well, God, it is good that you care so much about your creation. It's good that you care so much about the stars and all these other things. But what about us? I feel like you don't see me. I am hidden from you. God responded to him by saying, Look, don't you know already that the Lord is the everlasting God? He will not break like idols. He will never grow old. He will not tarnish. But he will always be there because he is the everlasting God. Nothing can destroy him. We know that they tried to crucify him, but what happened? He defeated that. Nothing in this world will destroy God. God never grows weary because he is the everlasting God. God has all power at his disposal. Nothing is too big and nothing is too small for him. No matter what is going on in life, he is there. He has the power to do whatever he wants, even if it's not what we want. He tells Israel, if you're feeling tired, there's no better place than to lean on the everlasting arms of God. He will increase your power. You see, this is so encouraging to us, especially in ministry, because sometimes in ministry, we recognize that we make it about, we, we try to do it on our own. We try to do it on our own powers at times. But you know what? We can't. We have God who supplies the power. We have God who we can go to in, in those times. And we need to recognize, all of us in ministry, that we have a God who is working in and through us. And the power is there for us. But we got to stay connected because he is the everlasting God. In verse 30, it, remind, it, it gives us a reminder that, look, you think you are young. And we know we have some young people who think, you know what, I'm tough, I'm mighty, I, I could do it on my own, I don't need you know, no one else. But he says, look, even if you're young, you will grow faint and weary. But guess what? I am the everlasting God. I can renew every strength. I can renew all the strength. When you feel down, when you're tired, when you're going through that problem in life, when you think, what, where else do I turn? What else can I do? Well, we have the everlasting God that we can lean to. We have the everlasting God who can renew our strength. We have the everlasting God who can give us the power to go through those problems. We have the everlasting God who never gives up on us, even in times when we give up. He's there for us. He wants us to come to Him. He wants us not to grow weary. You see, so many times we, we hear this and we think, but we must understand that waiting upon the Lord requires true faith. Waiting upon the Lord requires going through the fire sometimes and still trusting God that God will bring us through. Waiting upon the Lord requires that we believe sometimes in the impossible. Sometimes we wonder what's going to happen, but we just have to trust God and know that He's in full control. He's sovereign. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He knows what's best for us. We have to know that He will always take care of us. I came across this picture, and I want us to just imagine an eagle for a second. When an eagle is building a nest, sometimes high in the branches or on a cliff, when a mother eagle builds her nest, she starts with thorns, broken, branches, sharp rocks, and a number of other items that seem entirely unsuitable for the project. But then she lines the nest with a thick padding wool of feathers, 
and fur from animals she has killed, making it soft and comfortable for the eggs. By the time the growing birds reached flying age, the comfort of nests and the luxury of free meals made them quite reluctant to leave. That's when the mother eagle begins stirring up the nest. She begins to pull up the thick carpet of fur and feathers, bringing the sharp rocks and branches to the surface. As more of the bedding gets plucked up, the nest becomes more uncomfortable for the young eagles. Eventually, this and other urgent prompt the growing eagles to leave their once comfortable nest and move on and fly away. Just like the mom eagle, no matter what we are going through in this life, God will never forget us. And we can count on Him because He is always faithful. So this morning, don't lose hope. We have a great God that we serve. We have a great God that we worship. Don't lose hope because He is the everlasting God. He will renew your strength. But the only way he, that you can have this, you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Apart from Him, you don't know about this everlasting God. You don't know about Him. My prayer this morning is that you would get to know Him better. Because apart from Him, you have no hope. There's nothing that you can even think of and say, I have hope in this. Because nothing compares to God. So how do we apply this? Because of God's greatness, we should be ready to proclaim the good news. Because we, we serve an everlasting God, we serve a great God, I should be ready to tell us about Him. Secondly, when we look at God, we see who we truly are, a sinner, saved by incredible grace. We know the prophet Isaiah, when he saw God, he says, what was me? A man of unclean lips. See, God can use anyone. And he wants to use us. But we have to be willing and recognize that we are a sinner, saved by grace. And when you're feeling down or weak, don't forget that we have the everlasting God who is always there. So this morning, whatever you're going through, I don't know what struggles, but remember this, we do serve an awesome and great God who can renew your strength. Just lean on Him. Just ask Him to give you that strength. Father, we thank You for this morning, and we thank You for Your love for us. And Father, we thank You that You are the everlasting God. Father, we thank You to know that You are a great God, you are awesome. You're the only awesome thing. Nothing else is awesome. And I pray that we would remember that, that we do worship an awesome God. I thank you and I praise you for all you've done in Jesus' name. Amen.